0: I'd like to begin by asking for you to think about what has been, when have you had an experience of a powerful welcome? When have you had an experience of a powerful welcome? Not necessarily comfortable, I'm just, you know, there's range, but something that really was really remarkable to you. or really touched your heart? When have you had an experience of a powerful welcome? Yes, Sarah. When Warren Harris invited you to the church? To the church. Yeah. Tim? First time to coming to this church? Mm-hmm. Well, it's Steve? The final ceremony Curcio, Curcio at St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. When Michael when Reverend Michael Brown married you, when you could become legally married and it was in this sanctuary. Oh my gosh, yeah. Woo. Yes. When you saw the signs out front. Thank okay. you. Good. All right. Thank you. So one of the ones that I had most recently, we've shared a little bit, but I want to go a little bit deeper with this. Um, so just this August, a number of us, uh, 17, 18, 19 or so, went to the Parliament of the World Religions. And one of the features of that event is the uh, languor offered by the Sikh community, um, and it's entirely free. It's open to everyone and anyone. It is a vegetarian meal that is made is a, at the core of their spiritual practice and their understanding of what they are about in the world, the Sikh community. And we were made to be entirely welcome and, and totally invited. And you're truly entering someone else's space, so I would say I'm not wasn't entirely sure what was going on. When it's going in, you enter and wash your hands and take off your shoes and you want to make sure your head is covered. If you don't have a scarf, they will they will have they have a whole pot, uh, uh, bunch of women right at the front to help tie headscarves on, um, so they can make it easy for people to participate. And you, then they point you to a place at the floor, uh, and if you can't sit on the floor, they have tables. And then you get to try foods. They come around with large buckets of food and dole out a serving or so. And, uh, and for me, it was lovely and wonderful, and I enjoy the, the, the kind of the Indian cuisine, but it's a bunch of it. It was foods I wouldn't normally eat um, either. So the whole experience of being there was this powerful, to me, a powerful experience of trust, of trusting that the space is prepared, of relying on, they were relying on centuries of practice, centuries of practice to know how to do this. They have done this for probably billions of people around the world over all this time. And it was encouraged as a part of, you know, in Parliament there was a lot of talk about different elements of the world and spirituality and world religions, but this was experience. This was a a embodied moment. And I could also trust that this was the thing to do because there were hundreds of other people lined up to get on in. It was a gathering of equals. You were sitting with people of all cultures and stations. And it was also a moment of kind of realness. The very first day of uh, the lunch offered at Parliament, it rained. I mean, it poured. And we're outside in, big, in a big, big tent clearly made for this purpose, but I think tents have, you know, limitations. And so there were unintended waterfalls inside, uh, if you might can, underst- can imagine that. And they were trying so hard, and it kept raining. And the water just came in, and no matter how many buckets, it soaked yards of the carpet where people were supposed to sit. And They had to lay down new carpet later for the next day because none of it dried out. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot to just watch and feel a whole lot of compassion for them. But all through this, all through the logistics and the people and so on, they were kind and helpful and practical and informational. They had things that explained what this was about, about their tradition. It was a little bit of geeking out with the history of coins in the Sikh community, in the Sikh culture. It was cultural pride on its own and parallel to what I knew of the Western European civilization. And it was truly a humbling reminder in a good way that the Western world is not the only world in town. There was a beautiful illustrated book of sacred text in conversation with a member of the community and it was such a culturally very different experience. El- Here was an elder, a sick gentleman with a turban and an abundant beard, glorious beard, talking with myself and a colleague, two women who are Unitarian Universalist ministers. And after all that, I went back every day. And I was not the same as when I entered. Because in each moment, each time, was yet another reinforcement of care and respect and a model of what it means to be of service. In our Western religious tradition, radical hospitality comes to us primarily through the Christian monk, St. Benedict. He took instruction from Jesus and the Bible and established a deep and powerful practice of welcome. And providing this was offering a safe place to eat and a safe place to rest. This was a matter of life and death for travelers, for pilgrims, for migrants, and more. And in the Benedictine tradition, offering hospitality was a call from God. It was sacred work, as important as prayer and meditation it was, it is, one of their core spiritual practices. And I wanna offer that as not just a lightly said phrase, but this is the core of their, of their heart and faith. In more contemporary thought, Lonnie Collins Pratt and Father Daniel Homan explain the practice and its potential in their book, Radical Hospitality, Benedict's Way of Love. They point out that our essential cry is humanity, that we cry out in every moment. I am not an animal. I am human. I am not a street person. I am not a token. I am not a statistic. I am not a divorcee. I am not an AIDS patient. I am not a sex object. I am not a laborer. I'm not an at-risk kid. I have a mind. I have a heart. I have a soul. I dream. I feel, I care, I am a human being. They say, they remind us that hospitality has this inescapable moral dimension to it. It is not a mere social grace. It is a spiritual and ethical issue. It is an issue involving what it means to be human. So all of our talk about hospitable openness about welcome doesn't mean anything as long as people continue to be tossed aside, they say. They go on to point out that in a 1982 report, one ethicist said, the opposite of cruelty is not simply freedom from the cruel relationship, it is hospitality. Hospitality puts an end to injustice, it is, an, it is a moral practice, it is a spiritual practice, a way of becoming more human ourselves in the practice, a way of understanding yourself. Hospitality is both the answer to modern alienation and injustice and a path to deeper spirituality. I've been learning about the way of St. Benedict and that kind of hospitality since the very earliest teachings of my Divinity School experience. So we've been working on this for quite some time. And I will offer that we can have a deeper understanding of it, um, this question of justice and humanity and the intersection of that. Because some of you may have heard those of us who participated in Parliament, you know, talk about the languor and the Sikh experience. But I want to offer also that the languor is not done in a vacuum. Uh, There is a full range of political history in this context of uh, most of the people, most of the Sikh community people who were creating the languor came from Britain, which has its own powerful history of racial oppression and bias um, and colonization. And the context of having such a beautiful community is also done knowing that that community has been attacked in this country more recently and in ways that are deadly and heartbreaking and violating. So to be able to keep Recognizing humanity and act from that is entirely within the, the whole range of context of our human experience. That's why it's not just a lunch. It is a witness and justice in action. And they are still, as the Sikh community, I imagine they will keep finding a way and keep Practicing and keep being so generous in the way that they do. The practice of a radical welcome. A radical welcome is one, in terms of a word, that radical part goes back to the 1300s in Latin. Uh, think radish right? The radish, the root that grows underground is the same kind of word. It's something that originates in the ground. It is vital to life. And so far in our contemporary meeting, it is very much getting at the core, the root of what's so important and also doing something that will shift and be powerfully different as well. will not be the same once we put that in motion. So the radical welcome, as we talk about it often now, uh, John, Reverend John Morehouse reminds us, the radical welcoming grew out of the progressive Christian church and has come to embrace all who want religion to be meaningful in a new way. As we practice it in our religious institutions, radical welcome is how to embrace all who want religion to be meaningful in a new way. And we're reminded of that how important that is in our unitarian universalist conversations when we welcome folks in. Uh, my colleague Lisa Presley captures this common experience, which is when folks who have never heard about unitarian universalism find our way into the you find their way into our universalist congregations so many will have this experience of i'm home i am home finally and then that's often accompanied by the question why didn't anybody tell me about this before who's had that experience i'm home and why not earlier Being radically welcoming means that we understand we are a great fit for so many people. And we're not going to just be willing to let in people who are like us, but find ways. We've been practicing and practicing and practicing, and clearly we have room to grow, but we're going to keep practicing. We find ways to make sure we welcome all people to the best of our ability so that we don't have to hide yourself what a powerful gift of recognizing and practicing the recognition of our universal humanity our universal humanity and this congregation is moving into more of that work of more of that visibility more of that faith in action that love in action because a year ago last winter or so in an effort to make a statement about this congregation and be more distinctive at say pride events locally folks came up with a design for the t-shirt welcome home welcome home we like this home thing okay and it's the pro- colors of the progressive pride flag the rainbow plus pink and blue for trans folks and brown and black for black, indigenous, and people of color folks. And along with it is, and the church name, always a good thing to remember, is Open Minds, Loving Hearts, Helping Hands. So this congregation is kind of opening that door a little bit to being more about the radical welcome, putting it out there publicly, visibly, because it's the right thing to do, as I think I've heard many of you say, in one way, shape, or form, but also because it's the core of our practice as well. If we are based in love, if we are based in recognizing our essential humanity, our inherent worth, then we too will be radically welcoming. And we have to navigate that. We have to navigate how we are practicing and inviting folks in, recognizing that we too are fully human and not going to be the same after as we are doing all this welcoming. Every person who comes in changes the body. Of the congregation so we're going to always have to navigate who is here and how we show up this is part of that practice that context so I'm reminded in our question box sermon a few weeks ago we have the full range of theology going on in here and in the big tent of the church we have the full range we have folks who deeply want to hear about God to hear about the Christian message to hear about a spiritual path and reflection. We have folks who want nothing to do with God and truly, in no way, shape, or form, want nothing to do with God for various reasons, some of which are like, this doesn't make sense to me, I see no place for God, and some of which is deeply, deeply painful religious trauma. Honestly come by. And then we have folks who are exploring different religious traditions. We have Buddhism, we have Tao, we have the Earth-centered traditions, we have the pagan community. So really the sphere of religious experience. It's not a line. It is a sphere in 360. And we're navigating it all amongst ourselves. What people have found, what people have left or let go, And what still hurts from religious pain and past? What really ticks us off about institutional religions? I know it does, some of you, some of me too. And maybe it doesn't tick you off, but we feel deeply ambivalent about religious institutions, but we still need people. Boy, that's hard to navigate, huh? It's good to be together. I'm not sure about it, but it's really good to be together. Together. And we find the way through that holds ourselves and each other with compassion and calls us on. I love how it brought out in the story that navigating, that ambivalence about I'm not sure how to do this. I'm not sure that we have room. How do we welcome people? And as you've heard in the story that so many of them came from someplace else before getting here. To remember that even they who were at the table, who were here, have not always been kind, still not always kind, still hurt each other, make each other angry or sad or afraid. Yeah, we do that. We do that. And yet, we also remember when we found a way to apologize, to ask forgiveness, to offer forgiveness, And then rejoice when people come in again and there's a marriage or a child or just more people. And remember how good it is, in the immediate moment, how good it is to welcome and say yes and build the longer table instead of the higher fence. That radical welcome is us living in practice in the immediate moment of our hearts and in the long legacy of a body such as this. That we might have a long future for those who will come we will never meet. A radical welcome is much more than friendliness. It's much more than simply an invitation. It is what happens when we are willing to change and be transformed by relationships across lines of difference. Across lines of difference. We seek ways for all of us, from whatever location we come, all the layers of our intersecting locations, to fully participate in the life of the congregation, that everyone, everyone who is is coming into contact with this body helps shape and nurture the mission so the congregation is constantly being made anew. We as humans know ourselves and each other as fully fully human, as needy and flawed and difficult and inconvenient. And hospitality and a deep welcome is a way of becoming more human, of understanding our neighbors and understanding ourselves. It is that, as the authors say, the answer to modern alienation and injustice and a path to deeper spirituality. I so appreciate this radical welcome as a phrase. It feels more accessible. It feels like I can say welcome. A chance to live into the mission of growing and helping to heal the world, of living into an abundant love. And always, always with the chance to, to turn again toward love. Each moment of welcome is a chance to turn again toward love. So I invite us to consider how we will be, how to further enact that love, how we further practice and deepen in all the seasons, in this season of equinox and shift in this this season of Yom Kippur and reflection and how do we turn again in this moment of shift and change within the congregation itself, growing and seeking new ways and wonderful places to be. Let us offer ourselves in this moment and turn and love again. Amen.